What's up, everybody? Michael Johnson here with the Business Choreography Podcast, and I'm so excited today because today our guest is Dr. Len Cooper. Len has two master's degrees and a PhD. He was a principal at age 29, and he left education to become an entrepreneur. Oh, man, after my own heart. During those years, he had a life insurance and retirement business, and he grew to 25 offices across the country. He recently sold his businesses and took a short-term retirement at the age of 49, and he's currently in the beginning process of starting a new company, which we hope to hear some more about today. Let's cue the intro, and we'll get started. Listen, there's a lot to learn when growing and scaling your business. That's why we created the Business Choreography Podcast, where we talk about choreographing your marketing, operations, and sales into dynamic systems that increase your revenue and your impact. We'll explore solid business principles and discuss all things that make businesses dance to success with clarity. We'll help you figure out where the holes are in your business and what you can do to fix them. Think of us as your official business choreographers, a.k.a. your insider growth strategists. Remember, your choreography matters. Welcome to the Business Choreography Podcast. We're back with Dr. Len Cooper. Thank you so much for joining us today. Man, I'm just so excited to have you on the show today. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Man, I, you know, I've had you on, on one of our shows before and I was telling you beforehand that, uh, just super looking forward to having you on, uh, always so inspired by, uh, your words of wisdom and the things that you had to share with us last time. And I can't wait for everybody to hear what you have to share with us today. So let's jump in. I, first of all, let's get some background and let's go through some of the journey you have. Holy cow. You have two master's degrees and a PhD. Who does that? My goodness. Why in the world you do that? How'd that all get started? Like, give us some background. I think oftentimes what happens is when you grow up in poverty, you look around and say, I've got to find a way out. And at that time, the only way out that I knew was to get an education. And so the idea was, okay, if a bit of an education will get me a bit of the way out, a lot of education will get me far out of this situation. So that's kind of what happened. And so I started off and went to school and got a business degree. And at that point in my life, I was thinking, you know, I don't know if this is really what I want to do because I was going through a lot of changes, just getting insights from different people from a political standpoint. And so I decided, you know what, I'm not going to go after money. I'm going to go after impact. That's why I decided to become a teacher. In order to do that, I needed to change majors, essentially. But instead of doing that, I got a master's degree in education and then eventually got a PhD in urban educational leadership because I saw the pathway was, you know what, if I want to make a real impact, I need to be in a position of leadership. And so that's what took me along that journey. And so uh, after I was in education about 14 years, I got to a place wow. where I just started seeing all of the toxic dynamics between school district personnel and district offices and schools. And I just got tired of all of the shenanigans that were being played. And uh, I decided that I wanted to take my my thoughts of impact somewhere else. And that's when I got into the world of business. That's the short version. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, that's that's a lot of years of the short version and, that, are, that are left out. But let's jump into a little bit of what you did when you jumped into business for yourself. So when I was 
in education, I said, you know, I really want to make a difference. And I ran into somebody at church and uh, this person was introduced to me via my mom and uh, we got to know each other and I started to see what kind of lifestyle he had. Now, at this point, I was in my early 30s and had a house, two mortgages, I mean, a mortgage and two kids. Right. And uh, I was at a place where I was thinking, you know what, there's got to be more than this. I, re I really right. want to make a difference, but I also need the financial wherewithal to be able to make that happen. And so I said, you know what, I'll check this out. So I started working with him. He started to mentor me. And I realized that teaching was something I could transfer into other fields. Right. And once I started to realize the money that I could make, after about a year, I was at a point where I was saying, you know what, if I did this full time, I bet I could really make a significant difference. And so that's what I did. And wow. so I had enough money saved up in about a year. And I took the plunge and started learning from the mentor, which led me into the world of business. And so that's how I got started. Oh, my gosh. Tell me a bit more about that business. What did you start? What did you do? So I got into the world of financial services and insurance. And Love so, uh, again, it gave me an opportunity to teach people because one of the things that right. I realized as an educator is that people go to school and they don't really learn about money. And it's not their fault. It's because the educational system doesn't teach people about money and right. how it works. Right. And so the issue that I that I recognized is that, OK, if you've got all of these people going through life not having an idea about what to do with their money until they encounter these problems, we're going to be in a world of hurt because people don't start figuring out how to get out of credit card debt until they realize they're in credit card debt. Right. They don't start thinking about how to solve their student loan problems until their student loan problems have negatively impacted them. They right. don't start thinking about how to put money aside to buy a house until they realize they don't have enough money for a down payment. And so <laughs> right. what happens is when we don't know what we don't know, we have all of these reactionary responses to things that happen to us. And so I really wanted to help people get a more proactive approach towards their finances so they could, one, learn what they don't know. Two, once they become aware of what they don't know, teach them so they can learn and make a decision with new information. So now their decisions are informed. And that's the reason why I was really excited about the new field of uh, education within the field of finance. Wow. And just like with your education, you rocked the heck out of it. I mean, 25 locations across the uh, the States. Oh my goodness. Like, how was that? What, what did it, uh, how did it go for you in terms of expanding and, and doing that at such a large scale? How, how was that for you? Was it easy? Was it hard? Was it, uh, I mean, this is totally different than the education system. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a good question. I would say this, uh, for my journey, the first $50,000 was the most difficult to make. Yeah. OK, and and here's the reason why I was fighting against doubt. I was fighting against doubters. People were saying, why in the world would you with all of that education and a good job, leave all of that for this world of uncertainty? Why would you do something stupid like that? And so I'm listening to these voices, especially on bad days, you know, because in the field of business and in the world of business, rather, some days are going to be challenging. 
And so, uh, <laughs> so that first fifty thousand dollars was was tough for me. And so there for so for a very long time, I struggled to make ends meet. Uh, it was I was grateful that I had the savings to rely on and to fall back on. Right. But I got to a place where you know what I said, okay. If I can if I can make it through this year, I'm going to be just fine. But right. I was fighting the the silent voices in my own head and the loud voices outside of my head. But then once I got past that year, I think what happened is the success started to happen and then it just took off. Right. So, I was I opened my own office after being in business for 2 years, wow. uh, working with the mentor. And then it took me another three years to open another office. But then after that, it was three to five offices a year. And then the last year of the business, it was probably about seven offices. And so so just momentum starts to take off. And when you have systems in place and you train people the right way to what I call fidelity of the implementation of the system, that's when scalability takes off and and uh, momentum takes off and pretty much it starts to run out of your control that's amazing and of course you know the outside sees it as you were an overnight success and inside you know what you what your journey was to get there and uh always always a little crazy what what do you feel like was your down the rabbit hole moment of knowing that was the business, like that was the thing, you know, you said the first 50,000 was hard, but like, when did you know that that was the direction that was right for you? I would say there were two events. One was making six figures on my own, but I would say, honestly, even more important than that was making my first check. It was $26.24. I love that. And the reason why is because it was a check that I earned. It wasn't a check right. that I went to work for someone else that that gave me a hand, not a handout, but you know, I wasn't trading time for money. I earned right. it with the right. skills that I acquired. So that was that was pivotal. But I would say the other one was making six figures and realizing, okay, I can I can live a sustainable life. I I don't have a a real lavish lifestyle. I've never that's never been anything that's moved me or motivated me. And so I realized that I could take care of my family and never have to worry about working for someone else. And so the other moment was when I opened my next office where I didn't have to be there every day. So I said, okay, if I can open up one office and train someone to the degree that I don't have to be there every day, I can do two offices. Right. I can open three offices. And when does that number that when does that number stop? It right. never stops potentially, right? And so so that was really pivotal because I knew that ultimately once I once I had the formula to scale, then it's just a matter of reapplying that formula. Rinse wash and repeat. Right. I love that. Well, and so then you, you made it down the road and decided, okay, it's time to retire at 49, take some time off. What, what led you to that decision? Cause I know a lot of entrepreneurs out there look at it and they go, okay, should I, you know, some of them are working to retire. Some of them don't know if they should retire. What, what walk us through that decision process and, and how you got to it. So there were times where on the journey, 
my kids were younger and I would go out. I'd wake up about 6.30. I'd leave about 6.30 rather. I'd come back home around 10 or 11, which means that they were asleep when I left and they were asleep when I got back home. And I remember there was one week in particular where I had a terrible week and nothing went right. I'm talking, <laughs> everybody said no, all the rejection, the people that love me, you know, outside of my immediate family were telling me that you, should, you shouldn't have quit your day job. Things were just terrible. And I remember one day coming home and my kids were asleep and I cried like a baby. I was kneeling by their bed. It was, it was dark. They, they were asleep. They didn't know it, but I was just thinking, man, like I will never get this day back. And the longer I do this, I will never get this time back. And then I started to achieve some success, but I never forgot that day. And so once I got to a place where I was ready to sell my business, meaning you know, I had a pretty nice book of business because in the insurance industry, if you have thousands of clients and, you know, I had over a thousand agents that are licensed all around the country, you know, that's something that somebody could come in and buy for a pretty price and right. have a business and, and not really have to worry about building it from the ground up. Right. So it was definitely a lucrative opportunity. So for me, I'm really about making impact. And I'm really about making sure that I'm the best husband and the best father I can be. And so I really wanted to take some time to just say, you know what? I'm going to take it, take it easy for a little bit. I'm going to spend time with those that I love. My sons were just getting ready to graduate. This was right during the middle part of COVID. So there were a lot of changes that were taking place. And I just said, you know what? I'm going to take I'm going to sell business and I'm going to take a break for a little bit. Nice. I'm getting ready to turn 50 and uh, I'm ready for a change. And that's what prompted the move. I love that. I love that. And to be, to have earned that position where you can do that. That's, that's uh, what so many entrepreneurs out there are looking to attain and looking to, to do during your journey in that business and building it up and, and finding the success. Were there moments that you felt like, gosh, I got to throw a Hail Mary to just get this thing to work? Can you remember one of them and tell us about it? Let's see. There were so many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. I'm trying to think of one in particular. Because when you think about the world of business, on the way up, man, there's so many ups and downs, right? Sure. There was one time where I drove to Las Vegas for an appointment. And I confirmed the day before it was supposed to be an 8 a.m. appointment. So I live in California, just to right. perspective. So I'm about four hours away. Right. So I got up at three o'clock in the morning to go do the eight o'clock appointment. I get to the potential client's house and I knock on the door and there was no answer. So I was thinking, okay, well, they're, they're, you know, maybe they're just waking up. So I knock on the door again and there's no answer. I knocked on that door, Mike, for 20 minutes. There was no answer. So I spent 
four hours driving there, four hours driving back, plus prep time for one appointment because that's how hungry I was. Right. And, uh, you know, so when you talk about a Hail Mary, what interestingly happened is about two out two years after that, I ended up meeting someone who happened to live in Las Vegas and we ended up opening an office. Interestingly, three miles away from that house where I knocked on that door and they never (laughs) showed up. (laughs) So all effort ends up, you know, they're all learning experiences and that's how I look at it. Wow. That is amazing. And you just don't know, like I think so many times, a lot of the entrepreneurs out there, it's easy and we've all been through it. We all go through it where you think you're doing something and you get done and it doesn't pan out the way you had envisioned it. and you, It doesn't work the way you you thought it was going to work, but there were higher powers involved. And, and you go down the road 10, 20 years and all of a sudden you go, oh, that's why I had to do that. And, and that's why that came in front of me because I had to go through that experience so that I could open a store three blocks away, you know, and, and, uh, and be in the right position to do that. What do you feel like are some of the biggest challenges of running a business that size? I mean, you are in it, you're doing it, you have all these offices. What are some of the biggest challenges of doing that? I would say the first one is one, just being able to to oversee the operations to make sure that systems are running in place, right? Sure. Because when you're not there, it's quite difficult to know everything that's happening. So it's important to have systems where you, you know, hold people accountable. Right. So one of the things that we did is we had multiple meetings per week. So we had our Monday meeting and right. we would go over numbers. Okay. So, you know, how, how did things go? You know, what were the number of calls the agents made? How many appointments were set? How many appointments were booked? How many appointments were closed? How many how many new people do you have in the pipeline that you're looking as a person to become a part of our agency? And so having all of these numbers in place is a really important, you know, factor in that whole process. The other challenge is, is that sometimes people think, because it looks easy from the outside because you don't see all of the working parts under the hood that they can do it better. And so as people start to grow up in the organization, they start to think that, hey, you know, I could probably do this better than you. And I'm never one to say I'm this always going to be the smartest or always going to be the most talented. I think one key in being an effective leader, an effective business owner is surrounding yourself with talent that complements the talent you don't have, right? Right. And so that's 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 always going to be a challenge. And I think the other one is really giving everybody the time they really need because you're one person. Right. So having multiple offices around the country, if I went to visit each office and spent two days there, I would be in a position where the office that I ran out of mostly would fall by the wayside. So being in multiple places, especially pre-COVID, was quite difficult. So I was on the plane a lot. I was in my car a lot, visiting lots of different offices 
making sure that the operations were running effectively. And, you know, so it's almost like spinning plates in multiple places, right? Right. And right. so you've got all these plates spinning and one is wobbly. And so the other challenge is making sure that you're not being reactive because sometimes one of those wobbly plates just wants to have more of your attention when they don't necessarily really need it. Right. So being able to have systems in place where you can identify where the weak links are that need your time and attention more so than just want your attention, uh, you know, being able to distinguish between those two are critical, critical. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. The privilege I've had just since we've met, I mean, I don't know when we met. I feel like it's been a year or two since we met last time. Oh yeah. And uh, since then I, I keep up with you and keep following stuff that you were doing. And and I always love hearing you speak. I I love uh, your speeches and you, you've done some great motivational things. So I'm going to put you on the spot. We've got, let's say we've got uh, an entrepreneur. They love what they do. Times are rough. They're seeing a recession coming, uh, you know, but they love what they do. They know they're servicing their clients. They see they could grow, but times are coming that are rough. What's your, what's your motivation? What's your, your thing that you can tell them so that they can kind of dig in and keep going? I would say that the, the biggest downfall of any entrepreneur's journey is uncertainty. And if you think about it, If you knew that every single person you spoke to, every single prospect you talked to and reached out to, if you knew that they were going to say yes, would you stop making phone calls? Would you stop creating relationships? And the answer, of course, to that is no. And so so in the midst of uncertainty, the thing that separates the ones that achieve greatness from the ones that fall short and end up quitting is being able to stomach the periods and the moments and the instances and the encounters of uncertainty and rejection. And so when you look at the recession that's that's looming in front of us, when you look at the, the fact that many people are probably going to end up in financial turmoil over these next couple of years, We have to think about our history and understand that the most millionaires ever created was during the Great Depression. Right. And the reason why is because more people had a need and other people had the ingenuity to have a solution to that need. And when you can provide value to the marketplace, particularly in a time where people have desperate needs, desperate calls you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. And so if you have a solution, there are going to be more people who wouldn't have a year or two ago said yes to you, times change. And so just because someone said no, that can mean not now. So follow up, have a conversation, provide value to the marketplace, increase your skill set, become better, Deal with uncertainty, sharpen your mindset, improve your capacity to reject rejection and improve your capacity to think long term and defer gratification. And if you do those things on the other end of it, 
you will beat out 90% of your competition because they simply don't have the will to outlast you. Right. I love that. Okay. So you've been, you took a break and now you're building something new. Are you able to share with us what that is yet? It is in its very preliminary stages. So we're still building the foundations, but so what I'll do is I'll give you a clue. Okay. Okay. I love it. So essentially what it is, is, okay, so I'm a teacher and I connected with another person who's a teacher. And this individual that I connected with is an expert in the stock market. She understands and has been making millions and millions of dollars and also helped other people. And so what she said to me is she says, you know, I know you are expert in your field of planning and teaching and marketing. I'm an expert in the stock market. What do you think about us putting our heads together and creating something and merging our skill sets? And my first thought was, man, that would be pretty difficult to pull off to, oh my gosh, that would be amazing. So, <laughs> Literally within 30 seconds, I, I had all of those thoughts flood my, flood my mindset. And so, uh, so we're joining forces together and we're going to take my marketing skill set and my teaching skill set. We're going to take her skill set of teaching people how to make money in the stock market and her teaching skill set. And we're going to merge those two together to create a company where somebody can literally make money in the stock market with their cell phone. Nice. And so, yep. So we're, we're putting together, we've uh, hired a consulting firm. We've, uh, we've partnered with some marketing experts and uh, yeah, so we'll be That's opening great. our doors up within the next six months. And so That's definitely amazing. excited about that. Well, once you do, you have to come back on the show and we'll get everybody hyped about it and get them heading your way. All right. Fantastic. Sounds That'd good. That'd be awesome. And, uh, that's incredible. I, I love it. Why, why after the break, you know, why, why are you getting back in again? I mean, you clearly can, you can clearly not if you'd like. So what, what's the draw? That's, that's a, that's a fair question. That's actually a really good question. And I would say, for me, I'm not motivated by money. Like money's never been a motivator for me. Sure. Um, making a difference in the lives of others has always been the motivating factor. Sure. I'll tell you a quick story. My wife is a school psychologist and she was at right. work just about two weeks ago. And there was a lady there because it was the beginning of the school year and she was there helping out just because you need extra bodies because all the extra parents at a middle school, it's chaos the first couple of couple Right. Of so she says, um, your last name is Cooper. By any chance, are you married to a person by the name of Lynn Cooper? And she says, well, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I am. We've been married for 25 years. And she says, you know, when you see him, can you say hello? And she says, well, what's your name? And she tells me, the, um, she tells her the name. She says, but he wouldn't know who I am. He probably wouldn't remember me. But my son was in his fourth grade class. Oh, my gosh. And what happened and the reason why I want you to tell him hello is because my son had other teachers who thought he should be in special ed. Special ed is, is short for special education, meaning he has sure. some learning difficulties. And she said, your husband figured out 
that he didn't have learning difficulties. He had trouble seeing, which is what hindered his reading. And so I want you to tell him that my son always looked up to him and now he's an engineer. Oh, right. Now, for anybody who's listening to this and you're a teacher or you care about kids or you care about making a difference in someone's life, there's no paycheck that even comes close to that story. And so when you think of, so for me, thinking about helping people make a difference in their lives, educationally, financially, making a difference where they can have a better outlook and a better prospect for their lives, that stuff fires me up. And so I I don't have to do what I'm doing, but I want to, because this, this is what gives me life. And so I'm essentially being selfish by being a blessing to other people selflessly. And so that's the that's the reward I get from it. So I'll never stop teaching. I'll never stop training. I'll never stop seeking to make an impact in somebody else's life. That's what I'll do until the day I die. That's amazing. I love it. Where can people uh, connect with you and find you? So um, I'm not all over the place online, but definitely on Facebook, uh, Len Cooper, L-E-N-C-O-O-P-E-R, and Instagram at Len Cooper, L-E-N-C-O-O, at Dr. Len Cooper. Uh, and that's how you can find me. Awesome. Go follow him. There's always good stuff. I, I always enjoy it. I always love it. Man, we appreciate you being on the show and it's so great to catch up and, uh, and chat with you some more. And I look forward to doing it again when you got your, when you got your, uh, next project up and going. We'll get on, we'll chat about it. We'll share it with everybody and, uh, it'll be a great time. I am so thankful that you joined us today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Looking forward to the next time. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us today. Want more business choreography? Check out our website at bizchoreo.com to find out more. And find out how the choreography for your marketing, operations, and sales can raise your revenue and create more impact. Remember, every business needs choreography.